This morning we're going to be teaching you on discrimination. Discrimination. Everybody say discrimination. Okay. So we'll just we'll just title this discrimination, but you could say discrimination in the church. What is discrimination in the church? Okay. Discrimination or partiality or cliques or you know whatever you want to call them. Uh, showing favoritism is is a sin. It's a sin. And I think sometimes we like to gauge sin, don't we? You know, okay, well, I don't do this. Well, James will address that. You know, think about some bad, real bad thing, like murder, you know, whatever. And, well, I don't do that, but eh, maybe the lesser sin of showing partiality to people or showing favoritism to people, that that is a sin that's just as serious uh, as breaking the law. You know, it's breaking the law of God. So we're going to study that this morning. We need that. Not to say that you have discrimination in you, but I think that if we be honest, that all of us struggle with it uh, on some level, you know, discrimination or, or partiality, showing favoritism, being clicky, you know, um, those kinds of things. So we're going to discuss that with you this morning. If you'll turn over to the book of James, James is the, I re, really, I look at him as an intelligence officer in the kingdom of God. These men were amazing, amazing. So you're dealing with the kingdom of God, so you want intelligence, amen, to live for the Lord and serve him and please him. So James chapter 2, if you have it, say praise the Lord. <clears throat> okay, my brethren, notice he starts another section here with that term, my brethren. Every time you see James say, my brethren. And then he's going to give an account, a, a command, excuse me. Then what we have here is we have a new section. Okay, so that's that's how it's it's divided in the book of James. There's 14 sections. And each of them begin with my brethren or my beloved brethren. And then it's followed by a command, all right? So my brethren, that means he's speaking to born-again believers. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to born-again believers, people that are in the church. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory with respect of persons. With respect of persons. Amen? Then he gives us an illustration. I told you before that when you preach the book of James, you don't have to bring illustrations because he supplies the illustrations for his messages right within his book, okay? So here is the example he gives us. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. And you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Judges of evil thoughts. That's a strange way to word it. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, okay? Verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced, uh, convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, say the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. <clears throat> For he that said, do not commit adultery, <coughs> said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if you kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Upon the reading of your holy word, we praise you, God, today for giving us inspiration to preach it, to hear it and receive it, and to live it, to walk in it. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you may be seated. Okay, discrimination in the church. James is dealing with externals. He's dealing with status. Okay. Uh, he talks about the poor, the rich man coming in and he's got a gold ring on his finger, you know. Now, in those days, if you had a gold ring on your finger, you were very wealthy because there's not a lot of people that had a gold ring on their finger. So it was, if you saw a man in, the, in those days walk in and he had a gold ring on his finger, that told you that that man was extremely wealthy, very rich. And then the Bible talks about his apparel. And literally, it means that his apparel was radiant with glory. It, it was shining, okay? And so I don't know what the, the apparel was made out of, but it was something that was so expensive that when you looked at it, the apparel shined, it radiated, okay? It, it glistened. And so uh, <clears throat> he walks in, and as soon as somebody sees him, they show partiality or respect. That means they lift the face up. They go, wow, man, we better pay attention to that person. You know, she'll lift the face up. Say, that man's got a rich face. We better pay attention to that man, you know. And so <clears throat> then the poor man walks in, and the Bible talks about his garments that are vile. James says they're vile. That means they're stained, you know. They're, they're dirty. Uh, they're not, they're a sign of poverty. He, you know, so he walks in and somebody looks at him and says, okay, well, we got a place for you. Okay. You come over here and you sit down. You stand over here, stand in the corner, or you sit down here at my footstool. That means you sit on the ground. Okay. So the poor man gets to sit on the ground at the footstool, and the rich man, he's taken just because of the externals, because of his status, He's taken to a special seat of importance, and he's placed there. And this was going on in the church that James was, was uh, you know, writing to. These churches he was writing to. They would see a rich man come in, and man, they, they noticed. They lifted the face, and they said, man, we better pay attention to that man, because that man can help us. You know? and he can pay the building fund. <laughs> and then the poor man walks in. Uh, just put him over there in the corner. We're not worried about him. or you know, Set him on the ground. Uh, just to a position of lowliness and low social status. So, you know, and 
So it was a, a discrimination thing that was going on based on external, based on outward appearances. It was based on social class, okay? Uh, rich man, poor man. And the Lord is teaching us that we are not to be that kind of people. That we are not to be the kind of people that look at externals only. Judgment has to be made based on the character of the soul. Amen? Judgment is not to be made based on the status of the person. And, and in this case, it's the rich man and the poor man. But it's a principle that James has given us here. Okay? So you got somebody that's educated, well-educated. You know he's well-educated. You've got somebody that drives a nice car. Or you have somebody that lives in a nice house. Okay? Somebody that looks like you. You with me? Maybe they're, maybe they're good-looking people. And so you judge, wow, that's a good-looking woman or that's a good-looking man, you know. And so based on looks, appearance, you know. Uh, or they're like me. So, and it sort of, you can see this happening sometimes uh, in the church. There's cliques where you'll see sometimes the, the poor like to hang around with the rich. And these, just these cliques that go on. But in youth groups, oftentimes you'll see that. Amen. Well, we'll see a young person, they'll go and sit with the same people all the time. And, you know, they're, they're, we're best friends, you know. Well, what, what is happening there is that they're showing partiality. And it's okay to have friends. It's okay to have best friends. But if you're sitting over there with that person and you're doing, you know, and this other person is alone, they're by themselves because they don't look like you or they don't act like you or whatever it might be, then you are in this scripture here. See? So the church should be an inclusive church. We, should, we shouldn't be clicky based on, well, that person looks like me. That person doesn't look like me. That person has the personality I like. You know, so, so whatever it is that causes a person to have discrimination, whether it's money, that kind of status, uh, education, or the way they look, or their personality, Whatever it is that causes people to get together in these cliques, that's what James is addressing. That we, are, we cannot be that kind of a people. That we only have our little, little circle in the church and we don't let anybody in our circle, you know. Because they're not like us or they're just not, you know, they're part of, they're not a part of our circle. And for whatever reason that it might be, and it could be, you know, some of the ones I mentioned right now, I don't know, it can be something else. Whatever is in us, you know. But let's say somebody walks in the church and they're a guest. And as soon as they walk in the church, man, we're, we're measuring them up. You know. They don't know about holiness of life. They don't know how to live. They don't know how to dress. They don't know anything about living for the Lord. But here we are, and I'm not saying you do, but I'm just saying as an example. This is what James is talking about. If so no believer comes in your assembly, and see, we see already around 46 A.D. that public worship was taking place. It wasn't done just in the houses. There was public worship. People were gathering publicly. So you'd have the outsiders, if you want to call them that, coming to church, the visitors, the guests. And, you know, if, if they're lost or whatever, you start 
making the judgment based on externals. Well, that's a rich man. We better, you know, try to cater to him. That's a poor man. We'll just put him in the corner. Or let's say in the area of holiness even. You know, people that don't know about holiness, they don't know how to dress. They don't know how to live. You know, as soon as they walk through the door, if we're not careful, man, we're already measuring them up. Oh, they're not like us. You know. Brother and sister, how long did it take you to get where you are? You know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So when we see people that come in and they look different, this is what James talking about. You cannot look at externals. You have to look at the condition of the soul and have a desire, no matter what the status is, have a desire to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and escape the judgment of God and experience the mercy of God in their life. And with time, they'll learn what the Bible says when it comes to holiness and external and inward and all of that. But at the beginning, we can't judge people like that. We're going to accept them like they are. Okay? You can't be measuring them up. Well, look that guy, you know, he's this. And look at her, look at her, look what she's wearing, you know. That's, that's what he's talking about. We can't have that kind of attitude. Amen. And I'm not saying that you do. I, I, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you do. I'm just in the book today. Okay? So we should never get into that place where we are judging people based on status or externals, what they look like, as far as, are y'all with me here today? They're... they're the condition of their outward appearance, and with time they'll change and they'll grow and they'll understand what needs to be done. But at the beginning, you can't marginalize people, right? Well, let's say somebody comes in and they're a different race than you. Well, this is not a racial church in the sense that we're not, we do not discriminate racially. All races of people, really there's one race of humanity, you know. And all races of people in the church of the living God are welcome. So it doesn't matter the color of your skin. There, is, there should be no discrimination in the church. Do you understand that really the church of Jesus Christ is the only classless society on the earth? And I'm not saying it doesn't have class. I mean, it's not based on status. Okay? It's not based on the color of skin. It's the only thing on the earth like it right you with me here you understand what i'm saying okay communism their goal communism the goal of communism was to have a classless society but it failed you know in russia today uh, you could go there in in old days they used to have tunnels tunnels for the you know just the the common man and then tunnels for people that were in the party you know so, you know, they were saying, communists saying, we're going to have a classless society, but even communism had its classes, the elite. The church of Jesus Christ is the only thing in the world that doesn't look at status. It's out the door. Okay? And, and if you're an accomplished person in life, if you have money or you're educated or whatever, you mean you have nice clothes, drive a nice car, live a nice house, that's fine. But that's not what God looks at. God doesn't care about that. When He looks at all of us today, He doesn't even think about, well, that person drove up in, a, in you know, this kind of car, or that person drove He doesn't even think like that. He looks at everybody in this house 
as souls. What he sees is a bunch of souls here today. Okay? You know, and every once in a while, I mean, we will recognize people's accomplishments, and that's okay. But we're talking about when you put so much focus and attention on. Amen? Status, outward things, whatever, your cliques, us four and no more. James says that's a sin. And it shouldn't be named among us. It shouldn't be a part of the Christian faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, you see somebody, they're by themselves. They don't have anybody. But you have your little group, you know. And you, you, I tell you, brothers and sisters, what you ought to do when you see somebody sitting over by themselves, you ought to separate yourself from your little group and go sit by that person Hallelujah. and say, hey, hey, I'd like to talk to you. I noticed you were alone over here and you were... You look lonely to me, and, 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 you know, I just want to spend some time with you, you know. You know, probably be, blow their mind because they're so used to being marginalized and left out. And this is what James is talking about. We should not marginalize people based on their externals. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The church of Jesus Christ is an inclusive church. This is His body. You and I have His Spirit. Jesus lives in you. And Jesus lives in me. And if I treat you badly, I'm treating Jesus badly. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I, and when I, when I see a brother and a sister that are called by the name of Jesus, that's my brother, that's my sister. They're in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So there should be no, no discrimination, no lifting up of the face right. where we're paying more attention to somebody else than we do. You know? It's not good if we do that discrimination in the church in the early 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 days in the American church and in Europe you could rent a pew okay so obviously if you had a lot of money you were rich you could go in there and say I'm renting a pew today oh which one do you like I want the front row pew well that'll be you know hundred dollars okay all right so they give their hundred dollars for the front row seat you know or maybe in some of y'all's case, you give $100 for the back row seat. But we're going to rent a pew. Now, obviously, the poor person walks in. They don't have no ability to rent no pew. So they're going to be sitting on the floor. They're going to be sitting on your footstool, at your footstool. And so things like that happen, you know. But it shouldn't be going on is what James Hallelujah. is saying Amen. in the church. There should not be discrimination. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Based on status. So he starts out and he says, My brethren, speaking to the church, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. That's a contradiction. If you have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are a person who is a person of discrimination, you discriminate against people, you respect people, you show partiality to people, right? He said, I mean, how can you have the faith of Jesus Christ and be that kind of a person. I want you to think about that. See, maybe we all struggle with a little bit of this. But we need to hear this today. So he starts out, he says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Notice he doesn't just say, Have, the, uh, have not the faith of Jesus. He said, Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 
Look at the respect that he has to the Lord. See, today, the way we talk about Jesus, you know, really, if you go through the Scripture and read the Scriptures, very, I think on a couple of times the name of Jesus is mentioned in the book of James. But if you go through the Scripture, you don't see the apostles or people in the church just using the name of Jesus. 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 No. See, today, we live, in, we live in a time where people are real loose with the name of Jesus. It's Jesus. They use it without respect, without reverence. You know, we say, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the respect that James has for the name of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of who? Glory. He said, He is the God of glory. He's the one who Israel followed in the wilderness, the Shekinah glory cloud, the visible presence of God. James says that's who Jesus is. He is the Lord of glory. In James chapter 1, we've already talked about it in uh, verse 17, calls Him the Father of lights. Jesus is the Father of lights. So He is the Lord of glory. He is the God of of glory, the radiant King of kings and Lord of lords. And he says, so don't have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. That means don't lift the face up and pay more attention to somebody that's got more money or whatever status they are than you will somebody else that doesn't have. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. And I think this is going to help us today. Because if there is any of this cliquish stuff going on or discrimination going on in our church, in our youth groups, or whatever class it is, we need to understand, no, we got to get rid of that. This is the body of Christ. You are a brother and sister in the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So again, the illustration, for there come unto you assembly a man with a gold ring. Amen. In radiant apparel or goodly apparel, and there came in also a poor man in vile raiment. It's all spotted, you know. You can tell he doesn't have much. And you have respect to him. You lift up the face. Amen. They wear the gay clothing and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. Say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial? And this is interesting. This word here, verse 4, partial, it's translated partial, but when you go back to chapter 1 and verse 6, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. The same word is used there, but it's translated partial. So it says, if you're that kind of a person, you're not a complete person. You're not a whole person. What James is saying, you're a double-minded person. And the book of James is, to, is, the goal of James is to make us whole, to make us complete. We serve, a, we serve one God who has one law. He's whole. He's complete. He doesn't want us divided. He doesn't want us to be two-faced and, and two-soul people. He doesn't want us to be hypocrites. So when he says in verse 4 about being partial, are you not then partial in yourselves? He's saying you're wavering in the faith when you do this. You're acting like that double-minded man that he talked about earlier in the passage, just up and down, up and down, inconsistent in your walk with God. 
Now, we don't look at it that way, do we? We don't say, well, you know, I, you know okay, I like that person because they look good. I like that person because they have things. I like that person because they like me. I like that person because of their personality, you know. Whatever it is, we don't realize that we're actually wavering in the faith. Amen? This is quiet in here today. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? What does that mean, judges of evil thoughts? Does that mean you're judging the thoughts of the person? No. It's a strange way to say it. Judges of evil thoughts means you are judges with evil thoughts. You have evil thoughts. You have evil motives. Your thinking's wrong. And I had a friend of mine last night, he texted me, and I had, I get to hear from him every once in a while. He's not in the church, but he just asked me, he said, what are you preaching on in the morning? I talked about it, and I said, just discrimination in the church. And and uh, so he said, how, how does that work? He said, does that come from within the church or does that come out from outside the church? And the simple response was, James says, it comes from with our own thoughts. It comes out of our own evil thoughts, the prejudices that we have. Amen. But we shouldn't look at skin color or status or personality or looks or any of that. Right? Interesting. James says it comes from the evil thoughts that are on the inside of us. Amen. So we waver in the faith when we act like that toward people. Verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, he said, James says, listen to what I'm saying. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? Now, does this sound interesting? You know, have you heard some words like this before? And Jesus talked about these things in the Sermon on the Mount. What did he say? Blessed are the poor. He said, blessed are the poor. And James picks up the same thought of his brother, if you will, and says, the poor God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that the rich man can't be saved. But what it means is most of the time, people of position, power, money, wealth, accomplishments in life, maybe education in life, even possibly religious leaders do not believe the gospel. Because they put so much confidence in themselves in their own accomplishments, you know, that when the gospel comes forward to them, they don't hear it. They don't listen. They're like the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Who was it when Jesus came and preached that heard that gospel and received that gospel? Who was it? It was the poor. Man, they were the ones that were ready to hear the truth, ready to respond to the gospel and believe Jesus Christ. But those old scribes and those old Pharisees, long blue robe Pharisees, man, they rejected the gospel. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter, really chapter 1. Verse 26, Paul said it this way. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 
And that's the way it is in life. Not many people, uh, you know, the mighty people's status and education and lies in this world. Not many people hear the gospel. But the poor hear the gospel. They respond to it. So there are some things that, that you can give yourself to in life that could cause you to stop closing your ears to the truth. Amen. So the poor, man, the poor, you preach the gospel to them, they don't have anything. The poor, in some cases, can't even go to the doctor. They've, they've got to pray their meal in. In some areas of mission field, they've got to pray every meal they have in. They get sick in their body, they, can't, they don't have the money to go to a doctor. Everything that they have, brothers and sisters, basically, if they need healing, they pray for it. If they need food, they pray for it. If they need transportation, they pray for it. They pray for everything. They have to believe God for everything. But the rich man, you don't need God. You get sick, you just go to the doctor. And I'm not preaching against doctors, but I'm just saying, you know how it is. The more you have, lest you respond, lest you trust God. There's the poor people, man. They today, everything they have, they prayed it in. They had to trust God. They get healing, it's because God healed them. They can't buy it. And so the gospel, it's always been that way from the days of Jesus all the way to the day we're living in now. It's always been that way. The poor hear the gospel, but the rich close their ears. They become self-dependent instead of God-dependent. Amen. So he says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, but they're what? They're rich in faith. Today, if you have money, why do you have money? I mean, I mean, on a, in a general practical way, it's for security, right? Okay. The more money I have, maybe the more security I have. Okay. But here in James, James says that it's the, the poor are rich in faith. They're wealthy on the inside. Their, their check, if you will, is based on what they have inside of them. Not external things. Right? Praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Rich in faith. Their security, see, their faith, what did their faith secure them? We're talking about riches being a security. What did their faith secure to them? Eternal life. The poor have the, the, the riches, the security of eternal life in them. They have the security of the Lord Jesus Christ in them. That's, that's their security. He said they're rich in faith. So when you look at a poor person, don't look at the externals, the outside of them, but understand what on, on the inside of them, they are wealthy on the inside because they have faith in God. Amen. God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. And then he says, heirs of what? The kingdom. Heirs, number two, heirs. To the poor, they're heirs of the kingdom of God. Now, if you're an heir, 
That means you inherit things, right? If you're an heir, that you didn't earn it. <clears throat> okay? You are part of the family. So because you're a part of the family, you have a right to the inheritance. And so what James is saying is these people <clears throat> that you look at as far as Excuse me. As far as the world is concerned, when the world looks at him, they say, that's a poor man. When God looks at him, they say, I chose that person. And they're rich in faith. And they're heirs. That means they didn't earn it. But because they are part of the family, they have the inheritance. A godly inheritance, man. Rich in faith. Heirs of what? The kingdom of God. So he's saying, don't be like the people in the world who have the world's perspective on status. When you see a person walking in that's poor, the world says, that's a rich, I mean, a person comes and walks in and rich, that's a rich person. Say, no, God says, what I see is what's inside the heart, the condition of the soul. And when I look at that rich, poor person that's rich in faith, I see them, they're the heirs of the kingdom of God. Right now, part of the kingdom of God, but in the future when Jesus Christ comes back and brings heaven down to earth, if you will, and unites them in one, the poor are going to be in that kingdom. Where's the rich man going to be? Well, some of them, Luke 16, gonna, he says one of them is going to be in hell. But Lazarus, poor man, has eternal life in the kingdom of God. So you can't go by externals. What you see is what James is saying. They are rich in faith. They are heirs of the kingdom. That's an amazing statement from James. Which he had promised to them that what? Loved him. James says those, those poor people that you're looking down on and putting down at the foot of your stool there, setting them on the floor when they come in, you know, those are the, you're supposed to love them. You love Jesus Christ, you're supposed to love them. You love Jesus Christ, you're supposed to love each other. Now, where's James, where's he calling this from? Well, in the Old Testament, he's getting this from the law, the Torah. Leviticus 19, let's go there. In verse 15. <clears throat> Leviticus 19, 15. Give you time to turn there. And some people today say, well, we're, we don't have the law of God anymore because we're under grace. Well, I don't know where you get that because these apostles are quoting the law. Okay? So verse 15, Leviticus 19, he says, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. See that? Look at verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. You, we claim to love Jesus Christ. We don't love each other. How? Well, we went through the, you know, 1 John, 2 John. Third John, we talked about it. Right doctrine. Amen. Holiness of life and loving each other. Right doctrine concerning who Jesus Christ is. He is God come in the flesh. 
right doctrine concerning who Jesus Christ is, right living, holiness of life, and loving each other. That was the test of a true believer. Jesus said, you love, you claim to love Jesus, but you don't love your brother in the Lord. You should love your brother. How many of y'all love the Lord today? Verse 16. Verse 6, excuse me, of chapter 2. He says, But you have despised the poor. What do you mean despise the poor? You just set them aside. You just totally discount them. That's nothing. Insignificant. Not important. You know. Well, Jesus died for everybody. He didn't just die for the rich. or He died for everybody. Amen. You despise the poor. You just, you marginalize them. Put them off to the side. Now I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that he's talking about being partial or being a person of discrimination in general. Whatever it is, you and I treat each other based on status, outward appearance, whatever. We're wrong. That should not be in us. Okay? Y'all believe that word today? Should to discount the poor? Or discount somebody that doesn't have the personality you have? Or discount, discount somebody because they don't look as good as the other person does? Discount this person because they have less of an education than you do? Discount this person because they're not as good an athlete as you are? You know? Let them sit over by themselves. Well, what we should do, really, is those people that are marginalized, we should go out there and we should be the ones reaching out to them. I see you sitting here by yourself. Can I sit down with you? They look up at you. You talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Can I can I sit down and eat with you? Yeah, you can sit down. And they won't, won't even lift up their head. I don't want to just eat with you. I want to talk to you. Oh, you want to talk to me? Most people don't. Okay. We're talking about we're talking about discrimination on any level, man. When you look at the brothers and sisters in this church today, how do you look at them? Do you marginalize anybody? We shouldn't do that. We should love everybody. To love everybody. That's my brother and sister. Jesus is in me. So I love everybody. Hallelujah. Thought comes to my mind, well, you know, um, I'm going to pay more attention to Brother Michael because he's going to give more to the building fund. Well, it, what have I done? I've become a judge with evil thoughts. Right? God knows the heart. And I'm just picking on Brother Michael this morning. But he's the, he's the one with the fancy clothes and gold ring. I'm just kidding, brother. <laughs> Amen. But God doesn't care anything about that. It's just, it's not even in his mind, man. Okay? 
a long time ago when we were we started a church over on Brazos, uh, sister in the Lord, she's talking about this woman that she just went recently went to work for. Said, man, this woman's got money, Pastor. She's got money. You know. Well, in these in those days we were in a in a shop building, didn't even have a roof. Okay. Okay. And for it, so I'm just telling you, we needed a lot. Didn't have carpet. We needed a lot, man. So if I'm not careful, I could take that bait. And that's such a Lord. This, she's got money, Pastor. So what are you telling me? To show her partiality? The Lord said, you don't do it. Because there's a catch to her money. She'll, she'll use it to control you. And I told that sister in the Lord, I said, you better get her, get your eyes off of her and get your eyes on God. And so, but she didn't do that. She kept her eyes on that rich woman. And because of that, I'm telling you, it didn't go well. She got extremely sick in her body. There was oppression that was being used against that sister in the Lord by this wealthy person. You know? So, that's what I'm talking about. And I thank God that I have never allowed myself to go down that road. To say, well, you know, in judgment, judge the poor person harsher than you judge the rich person in the church. See, in those days, and, in, and really in these days too, the church was not just a place where you went and heard the word preached or where you worshiped. The church was a courtroom at times where discipline had to be administered in that house. And so they would come to church and the poor man, you know, he did something wrong, man, they threw the book at him. The rich man comes in, does the same thing, because he, but he's got money. Partiality. Less judgment. Less harsh judgment, see. It blinded the eyes of the judges. Right? When it comes to church discipline, comes to church fellowship, can't have that kind of partiality working. Can't have it. Don't have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Can't do it. Got to be the same. Amen. So, verse 6, But you have despised the poor, marginalized them, put them off to the side. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? They're the ones going to take you to court, man. Right? They're going to oppress you. They're going to use your, their money, amen, to oppress your life. Well, is this an outward court? I believe it's a court right there in the church. So the rich man brings the poor brother in before the, you know, the leaders, the elders of the church and says, We've got a problem here. And the elders of the church judge that poor man harshly. Don't show mercy to him, but shows mercy to the rich man. Amen. Verse 7. He goes on, James says something so, so uh, powerful. He says, Do not blaspheme that worthy name by which you're called. You're blaspheming the name of the Lord by which you're called. 
Now, this is interesting, brothers and sisters. First of all, he's already told us that Jesus is the Lord of glory. He is the God of glory. I mean, he is the God of the Old Testament. Then now he talks about this is an interesting statement. Do you not blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? Literally, it means that these saints in the church had the name of Jesus literally called over them at some point. You ever wonder if you are correct doctrinally when it comes to baptism in Jesus' name? You are correct doctrinally. Is everybody listening to me? James says, they were called, literally had the name of Jesus called over them. When did it happen? In baptism. A church that doesn't baptize in Jesus' name, they're not in the New Testament. Those New Testament churches had the name of Jesus. Those individuals had the name of Jesus called over them. And he said, you're blaspheming that worthy name by which you were called. And obviously, it is. Even Trinitarian theologians agree that he's talking about baptism in Jesus' name. He says, you look, you look at that poor brother, he baptized in Jesus' name just like you were. Right? Blaspheme the name by being partial like this. Verse 8, if you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture. Now, interesting, he calls it the royal law. Fulfill the royal law. What's the royal law? What's the kingly law? Jesus is the king. He's the king of glory. He's God. And so it's his law. Right? We fulfill the royal law. What is the royal law? It's the law of love. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's the royal law. That's the kingly law. Came from the king himself. Because if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, <clears throat> thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. Where did I read that to you? Leviticus 19, verse 18. I just read it to you. He got it right out of the Old Testament. Okay? He said, that's the royal law. <clears throat> thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. So we're not to be people who have judgment with respect to persons. And we're to love. Leviticus 19, 15 and verse 18 is where he's getting these things. You respect to persons, you commit what? Sin. You show discrimination based on status, outward appearance, partiality. You have sinned. James said you have sinned against God. It's a sin. But again, we like to do this. We like to, okay, that's a real bad sin. And mm, this one's not so bad. James said, no, you have sinned against God Almighty. You've done that. Amen? It's a sin. And are convinced of the law, of the law as transgressors, for whosoever shall keep the law, whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Right? See, it's a whole law. It's one unit. Just like there's one God. One God. You can't divide Him. If you try to divide God into persons, you've got a problem. Because in Him there is no shadow, variance, or shadow 
of turning. You can't divide God. He is one God and His law is one law. See, in contrast to people, if we're being uh, people of discrimination or partiality, then we're divided. We're two-minded, double-minded. We're not whole like we should be. See, so in contrast to that kind of lifestyle, we have one God called by that one name, and we have one law. You say, well, okay. I can pick and choose what parts of the law I want to obey and what parts I don't want to obey. Then what are you doing? You're saying that the law is not one whole. You're saying it's parts and pieces. And that you and I, brothers and sisters, can pick and choose what we want out of that Bible. Well, I'll obey this, this part of the law, but I won't obey this. I'll obey this, but I won't obey that. James is saying if you break one part of the law, you broke the law because the law is a whole unit. He's saying you can't, you cannot pick and choose from the Word of God what you want to obey and what you don't want to obey. We got a lot of churches that are like that. Today, man, they pick and choose in the areas of holiness especially. Well, we do this, but we won't do that. That's why there's so many denominations. Well, our church will let us do this and our church will let us do that. And, you know, but y'all don't. You know, and uh, and then here, here comes the question, right? Are you going to judge me because I do? You going to judge me because I do? You know what I'm going to say? If somebody comes to me and says, you're going to judge me because I do this or do that, I'm going to look at them and say, should I? Should I? Well, you say, no. Really? Well, the Word of God says we should do this. If you say, yes, I should judge you, then that means you need to change. See, somebody only want to put it on you. You're judging me. You're going to judge me? I'm going to look at him and say, should I? What's your opinion? Is what you're doing right or is, is, is what you're doing wrong? You judge. You tell me. They always want to point, point a finger at, you know, us for the standard of holiness that we have. So you're judging me. Oh, really? Well, you tell me, should I? You tell me. I'm putting it in your hands. You tell me. Is what you're doing right or is it wrong? There are the people today that what they want to do is they want to pick and choose the law of God. And James said, no, it's a whole. The law is a whole. If you break a part of it, you broke the whole thing. Now, what James is not, this is misunderstood sometimes. He's, he's not saying that if you disobey or break one law that you broke every one of the laws in the Old Testament. That's not what he's saying. You know, if you lie, that don't mean you murdered. Right? If you lie, that don't mean you stole something. He's not saying that if you break one law that you broke them all. He's saying because the law is one unit, if you break that law in one area, it's broken. It's broken. You can't pick and choose 
which one you want to obey. And in God's law, it says, do not judge people with respect to persons. I say, well, we can do that, but we, we, won't, we won't kill nobody, or we won't commit adultery, but we don't see a problem with this. James says, when you broke that law that talks about partiality, he said, you broke the law. Okay? With me? Verse 11, for he that said, do not commit adultery. Who said that? God said that. Do not commit adultery. Said also, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. You say, well, you agree with that? You can say, well, I, you know, I didn't... Uh, how did he word it here? <laughs> if you don't commit adultery, but you murder somebody? You say, well, I didn't, commi I didn't commit adultery, but you murder somebody, you broke the law. You can't pick and choose what you want. Just because you didn't commit adultery... You murdered somebody, but you didn't commit adultery. Does that mean you didn't break the law? That's what James is saying. No, you broke the law. Because God's law is whole. Amen? And you talk about the Word of God, His requirements, His commandments, brothers and sisters. You and I can't pick and choose which ones we want. And say, well, we're not going to commit adultery. We're not going to murder, you know. But, you know, we might tell a little white lie here and there. Or we might, you know, show partiality to somebody, you know. Because those aren't too bad. You know what I mean? You broke the law. Because there's one God and one law. You can't pick and choose which ones you want. God's law, according to the book of James, He's quoting it right here. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Somebody said, we don't have to follow the law of God. We don't have to obey the commandments of God. What kind of church are you going to? I wouldn't want to stand before God on Judgment Day as a pastor of that church if he's leading that church that way. You cannot do that. You cannot pick and choose parts and pieces from the Word of God, the law of God, as to what you're going to obey. And God is the only one that can change it. You can't. You want to change it? You can't do it. What I mean by that, God said, okay, there's a time when the ceremonial law, which is the sacrifices, are going to be fulfilled. If He says that, and Jesus Christ comes in the world and dies on the cross, and those sacrifices stop at the cross, if, G if God said that, they stopped. But you can't determine that. Only God can. But there are some things that went through the cross and are here with us today. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Right? Nine of those Ten Commandments are for us today. Amen. So when we look at the law of God, then it is for us today. So we have a whole law, or we have a law that's part and piece. And that's what James is saying. Now, so, all right, you didn't, you didn't violate one of the big ones, so to speak. But when you showed discrimination to a person, you broke the law. You're a lawbreaker. 
Now, what does he call it? He says, uh, verse, he said, you transgress, you're a transgressor of the law because it's a whole, right? Verse 12, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of what? Liberty. He calls it the law of liberty. He didn't call it the law of bondage. You're trying to put me under the law. When did you ever get out from underneath it? You tell me, when did you ever get out from underneath the law of God? Not according to James. In this same chapter later on, he'll talk about faith without works is dead, being alone. Amen. So you got people here, the people, in, and especially in America right now, man, they pick and choose the parts of the commandments of God that they want to obey. Now, I want to tell you something, brother and sister. You and I can't, we don't have that privilege to do. If, if, God, if you could show me somewhere in the Bible where God says this is no longer needed, He has the authority to do that. But if He didn't stop it, it's still for us today. Okay? <clears throat> All right? And the law is the perfect, it's the law of liberty. It brings freedom. <clears throat> you know, I remember when uh, Sister Christina, years and years ago when she was working <clears throat> at a credit union, the, she, the president of the credit union loved her, wanted to make her uh, his assistant, sec his, his secretary, his own personal secretary. And uh, he would always give Sister Christina a hard time about holiness all the time. You know, and they could go back and forth. And uh, I know him really well. But uh, anyway, he would say, that's bondage. He'd tell her, you're in bondage. Really? Sister Christina, I'm in bondage? I'm glad you told me because I didn't know that. The law of God doesn't put you in bondage. The law of God gives you freedom. When you obey it, it gives you freedom. You and I know very well that if we sin against God, we... we disobeyed the word of God have you ever done that and felt free I, are you with me here I have never broken a part of the law of God disobeyed the commandment of God and ever felt free I felt death I felt miserable I felt like I need to go straight to the cross right now do you understand everybody with me here Breaking God's law and violating His commandments don't bring freedom to you. It brings bondage. It's the breaking of the law that brings bondage. But he, James says the law is liberty. It brings freedom. And the more you obey the Word of God, brothers and sisters, the more free you're going to be. If you're the kind of person in life that you could get to a place where you should be, and that is you're not a respecter of anybody. You don't look at the color of their skin. You don't look at their status. You don't look at the kind of car they drive, the kind of house they live in, how much money they make, how much money's in the bank. Amen? Do they look good? They don't look good? Or they have the right personality? They don't have the right personality? If you ever get to a place where there's not any discrimination in you, you're free. But the more hatred and discrimination that you have in your life towards people, the more bondage you have in your life. 
And that's why James says the law of God doesn't put you in bondage. The law of God gives you freedom. Amen? If you commit adultery, it's not going to give you freedom, is it? You murder somebody, it's going to give you freedom? No, it's going to, you end up in prison probably. Right? You walk around with a, you know, a sense that you're better than everybody else. That's Phariseeism. It's not judging the condition of the soul. You're judging based on, I'm better than everybody else. I'm looking, so I got a right to look down on everybody else. And, and I'm going to just tell you this, brother. So you got to be careful. You can look down on your own self. You, you can become prejudiced against your own self. You, you judge yourself wrong. You don't judge yourself based on the Word of God. You judge yourself wrong. So you have self-respect, uh, 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 partiality concerning yourself. That'll mess you up. Doesn't bring freedom to you. Amen. You know, thank God by God's grace that He gives us the enabling power to obey His Word. Okay? What I'm free from when it comes to the law is trying to obey and keep it in my own strength. What I'm free from when it comes to the law is the condemnation that the law brings because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for grace and mercy in my life. Thank God that someday when I stand before Him, He's going to show me mercy and how thankful I will be when He shows me mercy. Amen. But there's no Christian that's free today that's violating the commandments of God. They're miserable. Because it's a law. And it's a whole law. All right, y'all here with me today. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. I think you understand. This is a challenge for me to teach the Word of God to you. It's a challenge, man. And I think you understand. How many of y'all understand what's, what James is saying? You might not understand what I'm saying, but you understand what he's saying. Okay. Just read it over and over and over and let James teach you. But I'm going to do my best, okay? Okay. You can't part and piece the law. She said, I don't have to do this. Well, what, what part of the law are you saying you don't have to obey? Oh, okay. Does God's Word say that now you can do these things? No, not James. James says it's a liberty. brings freedom to your life. So I used the other day, last week I believe it was, and, uh, you know, cars on the highway. If there's no laws in place, you're trying to drive, you know, and uh, there's no law that says you drive on the right side of the road, well, everybody's going to be trying to drive on, you know, different sides of the road, and it'll be a, you can't move. It'll be a traffic jam. But the more you obey the law, man, you get on the right side of the road. Whew, you, know, you can just drive fast. But if you got somebody, you're driving on the right side, and they're driving, they're coming at you, there's no freedom there. You have a collision. And that's what James is saying. When you obey the Word of God, the law of God, as a Christian, and, and understand the wholeness of that law, the importance of living and obeying that Word in every area, it says it brings freedom to your life. Praise the Lord. I, I have never in my life, and I'm not a perfect person, but I have never in my life obeyed God's Word and it brought bondage to me. Never. 
It's when I disobey Him that it brings bondage. Okay? So let's believe what James says about the law of God. It's the, it's the law of what? Freedom. God's law gives you freedom. Hallelujah. You call it bondage. I call it freedom. Praise the Lord. I'm free today. I don't have to smoke. I'm free from smoking. I'm free from addiction, drug addiction. I'm free from alcoholism. Amen? Some of you sisters are free from some things, and I won't mention. But you ought to be thankful that you're free from them, that you don't have to, you know, spend like two or three hours. You know, praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful today? You know, I was reading just the other day. I told you I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm going to say it. And, and I, this is not to put anybody down. If you're a guest, we don't judge your outward appearance right now. We understand where you are, but people that are in God, no. But I was reading about people who paint their fingernails. Okay, there was like, I think they said eight different brands that people use to paint their fingernails with. It's dumping toxins into their systems. And in some cases, it can literally be fatal. They put, the, put this on their fingernails. They tested their blood and they found those toxins after they put them on the finger dumped into their bodies. Okay? You're free. Hallelujah. Lift up all your fingers. Well, you've got a star here and a moon here and a, and a sun here. All that art, right? Praise the Lord. No, I'm not. It's not bondage. It's freedom. Man. And on top of that, you get to, you know, be a little bit more healthy. Right? You know what's in that stuff, man? Cleopatra used it. There was poisons in her cosmetics. There's poisons in a lot of cosmetics today. You just take time to do some research. And guess what? God bless your little heart. You're free. You're not in bondage. Man, I'm, praise the Lord. I thank God I'm not in bondage. I don't have to put that stuff I make up on. I don't, I'm thankful. I don't have to put ear, I don't have to wear an earring all the way up my ear. Man, you know. Man, I got, I see, they got them all the way down here. That's got to be painful. You know. But I'm, I'm talking to people that are in the church. Now, you come in here and you got all that. We don't going to look at you externally and put you down. We want you to be saved, born again. And then when you find out the truth, you'll get your own convictions. Amen. Very rarely do I ever have to go to somebody and tell them, you know what? You need to quit this and quit doing that. Very rarely. Thank God for that. Because we live it before the people. You live it. You live it. So new, new converts come in here. Very rarely do I ever go to them and say, you need to stop coloring your hair. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. Very rarely do I ever do that. They change because they see it in you. Amen. Okay. This is a freedom. How many of y'all are free today? Now I'm free too. I'm free too. I don't have to do it up. Pierce my ear. You know? Man, thank God. But anyway, just to mention a few, but I'm just saying that God's Word will liberate you. 
How many, when you disobey the Word of God, you feel defeated? Yeah, you feel dead. You feel like you're dying. It's dark. Yeah, that's because there's no liberty in breaking laws. You got to get on the highway and drive 150 miles an hour on the wrong side of the road. Boom! No freedom, but death. See, God gave His Word, brothers and sisters. They're boundaries. They're boundaries to keep you living right. Give you freedom in your life if you obey it. Amen? One person said this, that God had mentioned, you know, I wanted you to be a smokestack, right? You're smoking cigarettes. God wanted you to be a smokestack. He put one on your head. But He didn't intend for you to be a smokestack. Now bless your heart. Say, praise the Lord. You know, God's Word is just right. It's just common sense. Amen. I was talking to the youth leader just the other day. I said, you know, I said, Sister Lori, a lot of these things that we, we teach our young people and teach, they're just common sense. And just sit down and talk to them about common sense things. Amen. God's Word makes sense. He knows it. Why do we do? Why do we live like we do? Because it's just right. If you want to keep living the wrong way, it doesn't mean that that's the right, good way to live. It's bringing bondage to your life. So anybody comes to you and says, hey, you're going to judge me because I do this and they're brand new in the church? Of course not. But should I? You tell me. You tell me. You're, you seem to be the one that's concerned about it. Praise the Lord. Now, don't you think it's kind of if, uh, you know, you're, you're in the church, you've been in the church for a while, and you go out there and you're in, in public, and you see the pastor in the store, don't you think it's kind of obvious when you're hiding, hiding behind, <laughs> hiding behind the mannequin? I see your legs there, behind the legs of that mannequin. <laughs> Right? Because you know you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Is that freedom? Living that kind of life, man? No, it's not freedom. That's what James is saying. So if you're, you're the kind of person that has discrimination in your heart, you can discriminate against yourself, against other people. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be free. God wants you to be free. So don't pick and choose from the Word of God. Just say, God said it, I'm going to obey it. Amen. He knows. None of us are perfect. Every one of us need mercy. We need God's grace and His power and His strength to live the Christian life. Amen? So, I thank God for the truth. Right? Verse 12, So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment. This is powerful. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. <coughs> you read again. For he shall have judgment without mercy <coughs> that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. Listen to me, brother and sister. If you and I 
when somebody comes into this church, sir, this church here, and we look at them and we measure them up, size them up, you know, show partiality, lift the face up for whatever reason it might be. We 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 show that you know respect of persons. We're discriminating. What we're saying is we don't care about that soul, the soul of that person. We don't care if they're saved or not. Mercy rejoices against judgment. So before you and I start picking apart everybody and their externals and all of this, when they, you know what I'm saying, we're trying to reach them, or the brothers and sisters in the Lord that are here, you know, that don't measure up to you. Before we get to that place, maybe we need to think about the day when we stand before God on judgment. And instead of getting judgment, He shows me mercy. Can you imagine how, how exciting you're going to be when you stand before God on judgment day and He shows you mercy instead of judgment? You will rejoice against judgment. Amen? So if we begin to judge people based on externals only, you know, status, we're judging them as unworthy of the grace and mercy of God. What we're saying is, I don't care about your soul. I don't care if you die and go to hell. If I don't show mercy, that means I don't have a desire to reach out and win everybody to the Lord. It doesn't matter what status they are. then I'm not rejoicing in mercy. Because I'm willing to, to look at that person and let them die and go to hell without a witness of the gospel. You see, if the poor person comes in the house of God and you judge them and you put them on a corner or you <clears throat> set them on the ground and you, as he, as he said already, you despise them, you cast them off as nothing, you don't spend time with them, focus on them, try to help them be saved. We should be rejoicing over uh, judgment, mercy that's being shown. That person can be saved. If you're judging people, this was worthy of being saved, this was not worthy of being saved, I'm going to talk to this one, but I'm not going to talk to that one. James is saying this. He shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. Mercy rejoices against judgment. You don't care about the souls of people. If you're a prejudiced person, I'm just going to tell you, brothers and sisters, by the book of James today, if you're a prejudiced person today, you don't care about the souls of people. Amen? How can, how can you and I live with the truth and I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm bringing the Word to you. You and I can live among and around people who are lost and not open our mouth and tell them about the Gospel. There's something wrong. We have, we have become judges with evil thoughts. If you and I do not care about the lost condition of a soul 
And we know that person is going to be judged and go to hell. You don't care. You won't open your mouth, number one. You're not a true believer yourself. And if you are a true believer, you're not acting like one. And you know judgment's coming. And you won't say anything. That's what James is talking about here. You should rejoice over judgment. Mercy should rejoice over judgment. That means everybody you can try to be a witness to and be a soul winner to and, and not judge this person or that, that person. Well, okay, you know, I'm not going to say anything to them, preach the gospel to them. They're just going to let them go to hell. That's what James is talking about here. How can we live with a heart that's not concerned, that doesn't love our neighbor enough to tell them about a message, a gospel that will save them from the judgment to come? And, and I'm really not trying to put a guilt trip. We have to think about this, what James is saying. When was the last time we ever shared the gospel with anybody? We have shows with them every day. Every day. And we judge them unworthy. Oh, they don't want it. They won't want it. How do you know? You become a judge with evil thoughts. When that, when that poor man walks in, that poor man walks up to you, do you share the gospel? Mercy is rejoicing over judgment. And you and I are all excited. We're all thankful that someday when we stand before God, we're not going to be judged and He's going to be merciful to us. What about that poor man? What about that poor woman? And we never tell him the truth. You see, if I have a respect for persons, there are some people I marginalize and count unworthy. And so I don't talk to them. How many of you are glad today you're saved? Are you glad you're saved? Yeah, I am too. You know, I'm glad today to tell you by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, that someday we'll stand before His throne and say that judgment, He's going to show us mercy. But where's all the poor people? And I say poor even if they had money. Where's all the poor people? that you understood was under the judgment of God that needed a witness. And that's why it's so sinful to be a person of discrimination. Because we leave those people in a condition of being lost without having offered them the gospel and mercy. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Amen. So James is saying a lot when he says this here today. You, you get the point? You got somebody that comes to church and they come, they sit back there and nobody makes an effort to reach out to them. That may be the last time they ever come. And they may end up in hell because nobody reached out to them. Amen.
There may be somebody you see. There may be somebody you're working with right now. You work with them every day. You don't tell them nothing about Jesus. That's what James is saying. You're going to win the loss. You can't win the loss if you're worried about the color of their skin. You can't win the loss if you're concerned about external things. Amen. Their souls in the eyes of God. Every one of you today, I preach to you, every one of you, including me, I'm a soul. You're a soul. What James is showing you, really what it all comes down to. We're not showing mercy to those poor people. And judgment's coming. And the reason why the motive behind that is we're discriminating. Amen? So, we, we, got, we got a job to do. You know, we got, would you stand? We got a job to do. Hallelujah. Somebody you're working with right now, they're thinking about quitting that job. And if you'll just go and talk to them, say, hey, I just want to come talk to you and see how you're doing. They're about ready to quit that job. And they won't quit because you want to talk to them. That is somebody, maybe somebody in the church, they're thinking about quitting the church. And because you went and you reached out to them and not didn't marginalize them, maybe that's all it all it took was you to be a friend and kept them in the church. See what you're doing, brothers and sisters, when you get rid of all of that stuff he's talking about, you're getting rid of that mud he talked about in the first chapter, the filthiness of this world. When you get rid of all of that, you're telling them, I love you and I care about your soul. And I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you dress, how much money you have, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in doesn't make any difference to me. What color of skin your skin is doesn't make any difference to me. You have a soul. And I want to see you saved. Sometimes it starts with just sitting down with them and being friends. Amen. May the Lord bless you real good this morning. Thank God for the opportunity to preach the Word of God to you. These are areas that we all struggle with. Amen. But I am thankful as I look at this church that this, this church is a multicultural church. So thank God for that. We have people from all different nationalities in this church. And I thank God for it. Hallelujah. It's important. We should love each other the same. And not judge externals, but judge judge the condition of the soul i love all of you thank you for being in the house of god this morning amen father i ask you right now to take this word that has been preached this morning take it and apply it to my heart give me a heart for the lost give me a heart for the poor for all mankind give us a heart of compassion and as far as the church is concerned, Lord, you said in John 17, 
it was your desire that we all be one 